1: Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Full Court Press has the latest news and opinions from men's and women's college basketball. Our hosts are John Fanta, who calls games all around the country for Fox Sports and others, and Kim Adams, an analyst for Fox and ESPN, and a former D1 baller who never saw a three-point opportunity she didn't like. If you don't believe me, check her Twitter page.
0: Take it away, guys. It's Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams, everybody. Wednesday, September 23rd, 2020. I'm John Fanta, and our guest this week is Louisville third-year head coach Chris Mack, who last week on Twitter, when the NCAA made an official, the November 25th start date, Thanksgiving Eve, Mack got right to it, at Coach Chris Mack on your Twitter handle. He said, November 25th to December 5th, a non-conference bubble at Louisville. They've been trying to fill team slots. We'll check in with him on the progress of that. Sounds like it's going to happen. What goes into that? What are the logistics? And what's the advantage that Louisville has over other universities? I'll get into that with Chris Mack. He had a lot of good stuff on that. Will we see Louisville-Kentucky this upcoming season? What about an agreement with Louisville and Cincinnati? They came to an agreement this past offseason. What about life in the ACC? And what about the ACC coaches proposing that every team went to the NCAA tournament this upcoming year? The NCAA squashed that rather quickly. Chris Mack had a response to that question as well, and we even got into our football rivals. He's a Bengals fan. I'm a Browns fan. It was fun. I think you'll like it. What have I heard in the last week? Well, I've heard a lot about college basketball and the logistics that are being worked out. And I'm going to give you a couple things to consider here. Number one, conferences are juggling all sorts of scenarios for their teams and for how their schedules are going to work. Because you've got two weeks cut off of the season off the top, It really creates an added wrinkle to constructing a conference schedule. Another thing to consider, Christmas time, typically there's a three-day period of days off for these kids to go home, be with their families for Christmas. When they come back, there's a lot of rumblings about the fact that those players would have to go through a 14-day quarantine, a normal quarantine that you see from going state to state, before they could start playing games again. I've heard a lot of rumblings on that. The point is conferences need to know from the NCAA what the protocols and guidelines are. And it sounds like the NCAA is getting close to releasing those. Dr. Brian Heinlein, who you've probably seen if you follow the NCAA, if you haven't take a look, he's their chief medical officer. They're going to release how often student athletes should be tested a week when games can be in terms of the appropriate time between games. All those things still have to get considered. You could have a scheduling model out there right now. You could have a schedule out there right now. It doesn't get validated until the NCAA releases what their recommendations and what the mandatory protocols are for a season to be held. So I think that those things have to be considered. And if you have student athletes coming back and having to go through a two-week quarantine, that's typically a big time for college basketball you know, December 27th or so to January 10th or 11th, that's a time where we see conference play rev up. It's a time where we see teams get in an extra game or two, maybe three, because they're not in class yet for the second semester. There's a lot to consider here, folks. And for these conferences, you got to remember this as well. They get a lot of money from TV revenue. College football is going to go in the regular season and then including their conference championship game before we see the playoff. If we have bowl games, I I don't even know if we will, but the point is college football is going to go as late as it ever has. You know, the the big 10 has an outline for December 19th conference title game. The big 12 does as well. Ohio state, Michigan's on December 12th. Those three Saturdays, the 5th, the 12th, the 19th of December are typically days where college basketball starts to take over on your TV. Because college football is dwindling for a couple of weeks ahead of the bowl season, which doesn't really directly conflict with college basketball, just the way the schedules align. So if you've got college football going deeper and deeper, taking major TV exposures and taking ESPN airtime, Fox Sports One airtime, Fox Broadcast airtime, Fox typically does double headers, if not triple headers, throughout three Saturdays or Sundays in December. Now you've got that taken away. These conferences are trying to construct schedules that allows for them to still make the same amount of money off television exposures, but I think they've got less airtime to do it. So how they navigate their way through that, how they maximize the windows that they have, it's crucial. And there's so many logistics involved with it that this is a moving target. And I've seen reports out there that are calling it a crapshoot, calling it a you-know-what show. Um, it was never going to be perfect. It was never going to be organized. It was never going to be the best-case scenario. It's a moving target. I'm not going to start criticizing. You can't criticize leagues. You can't criticize people. You could. You certainly can. But I, I don't think that's necessarily fair. Uh, to just rip them to shreds. There's no blueprint on this. You know, the NCAA got out in front of this. They put a November 25th start date on there. And by now, we'd see schedules out in completion. That was not going to happen right after the start date got released. You have to navigate your way through a bunch of different things. You know, I'll sit here and say, let's give this two weeks before we start to criticize. Give it time. Conference schedule makers have a lot to deal with here between the TV, everyone's saying, like, what's the holdup? They got to get TV dollars. They got to know what their school's plans are in terms of attendance. And they got to know what the NCAA wants from them from a testing standpoint and from when they can have their games, quarantine standpoints, all that stuff. And Chris Mack talked about Louisville head coach. There's probably going to be cancellations. He said there will be. He said there will be obstacles. There will be games canceled. But how does one coach think we navigate our way through the season? Chris Mack hit on that and much, much more on Full Court Press. Very pleased to be joined by Louisville third-year head coach Chris Mack on Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams. And, Chris, thanks for taking the time here today. You were in the news last week on Twitter putting it out there right when we knew there'd be a November 25th start date, a Louisville non-conference bubble between the lodging and the health and safety, those things taken care of. And you were filling slots uh, for this non-conference bubble from November 25th to December 5th. What's the latest you can tell us about this venture?
1: Well, we're getting closer. Uh, obviously, um, you know, knowing uh, or at least knowing ahead of time that this was a possibility that the Division I Council was going to move uh, the season back a couple weeks. I mean, we all sort of knew the undercurrent, and this was going to probably be uh, the result. You know, we tried to be a little bit proactive in working with the Galt House which, John, is, is actually connected to the Yum Center. I don't know if people are aware of that. You know, there's an ability for teams and their coaching staff to just simply walk across the sky bridge uh, and try to really keep that bubble that, um, that, we, that we talk about. You know, we have the ability to maybe host seven to ten teams. Uh, I think that would give teams the appropriate number of non-conference games they're looking for. Um, and to be able to do it, in, in such a quick turnaround time from the time they made this announcement, you know, to the season is only a couple months. And generally, you have a lot longer time to fill your schedule. So it may not be perfect. Um, it may not be the type of schedule that you would have in a normal year where you're really looking at the metrics and the possibility of, you know, what do your opponents look like. But um, hey, it, it beats the alternative and not having a season, as you know. And so we're really looking forward to it. Louisville's a great city in terms of college basketball. It's the number one television market when it comes to college basketball. So, uh, we're excited.
0: How close are you to filling it out?
1: We're pretty close. I mean, you know, again, from talking to teams to actually getting contracts back. Uh, I don't want to say we're a ways away, but we have a memo uh, memorandum of understanding going to you know about five schools at this point, and that doesn't include us. So we have six. That we feel like are are pretty committed to this point. I I don't want to put anyone out there just in case a team doesn't show up. I don't want fans upset that hey that you know you said this team was coming. So but we're we're getting very close. We feel feel very optimistic that it's going to uh, happen when we say it's going to happen starting November twenty fifth.
0: You just brought up the community, and I'm sure within the university as well. What can you say about the amount of legwork that something like this takes and what you've seen from your colleagues on campus and in the community?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's gonna take, uh, take an awful lot of work uh, to get it finalized and to execute the plan. I give Josh Hurd, our Associate Athletic Director here at Louisville, a heck of a lot of credit for number one, you know, bringing this up two months ago and, um, and then having the follow through and the ability to make all the phone calls he has to uh, to make sure that our health officials here at Louisville who would do the testing uh, were on the same page, uh, to trying to secure referees, to looking at sponsorship possibilities. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, certainly the talks that he's had with the Galt House. And again, um, you know, we're a lot further along than we were a week ago. And hopefully a week from now, uh, we'll be even closer to cementing, uh, you know, the, uh, the non-conference bubble, if you want to call it that.
0: So you have that bubble. I know that, that you're still probably working through a lot of different things, but what goes through your mind in the state of the sport, because this has been a question that's popping up often, of the, the balance of, of trying to still help the mid-major or the low-major that needs the finances of, of some sort, I know it won't be the same finances, but needs the finances of a game against a program like yours.
1: Yeah, I mean, John, you know, the whole impetus behind this bubble uh, for Louisville was cr- to create opportunities. Like, we're not trying to make money uh, on the, uh, on the, I don't want to call it tournament, but on the event. I mean, that, that's the furthest thing from our mind. And so we're trying to keep the cost down as best we can. I, I, again, I mentioned a sponsorship. The fact that we have a hospital tied to the university allows our testing dollars uh, to be a lot, you know, a lot less than you know, maybe some other tests that I've heard around the country when it comes to COVID. So uh, we're trying to keep all the costs that we can down. We recognize that certain schools uh, don't have the budgets that a Louisville does, or you know, even a mid-major to a low-major. And so th- there are going to be um, several different levels of play, levels of teams that come to the bubble. But we're just trying as best we can uh, to, pr- to provide an opportunity uh, and doing it as cost effectively as we can for these programs because we do feel a sense of responsibility not just for Louisville basketball but for the state of college basketball and the experiences these kids uh, should have.
0: Beyond this bubble, have to ask this, Louisville, Kentucky will happen in 2020?
1: You know, I don't know. Um, you don't know. I, I don't know, you know, because Again, you know, you're you're dealing with a limited calendar. You know, we're starting conference games in December uh, earlier than we ever have. We certainly have had to push back. Um, you know, the Big Ten ACC challenge. Uh, so, so where that comes out, you know, I don't know. You know, for instance, the University of Cincinnati, we were supposed to play our second game of the season against those guys at their place. Uh, you know, talking to John Brandon, you know, how fair is it for us to play their home game in front of literally no fans? And then have him return the game, you know, and I think the same thing, you know, holds true for the Louisville, Kentucky game. Uh, You know, where, where is the equity of Kentucky coming here in front of no fans and then having to go back to Rupp Arena in front of 21,000 fans. Uh, But I recognize and we recognize, man, uh, the best rivalry. I know I'm biased in in all of college basketball. If there was somehow we could do this at a neutral site, again, uh, that's without talking to Kentucky and what their scheduling holds.
0: Looking at your role as a college basketball coach, how would you describe the shift in that role over the course of the last six months?
1: Um, you know, it, you, you do a lot of the same things. John, you really do. You just do them much differently. So we're still recruiting, but, you know, we're physically, you know, not in a, in a student athlete and, or a prospective student athlete's home. You know, we're not in their gym. We're not at their AAU tournament. Conversely, they're not on our campus. You know, they're not walking through our practice facility or going to the Yum Center to look at the arena. Uh, you're doing a lot of this the way that, that we're doing this right now, you know, via Zoom. And, um, you know, it's just diff- different. The same thing holds true with, with all the workouts that we have our players. We're not doing Zoom workouts. But, you know, our guys come over and our time with them is, is really limited because, you know, we can't keep our gym. Our practice facility open 24/7 and allow guys to come and go. So we have restrictive hours. We certainly have our hours that the NCAA provides that we're doing our workouts both on the court in the weight room conditioning. But you know, gone are the days where a Sam Williamson can just come over here at 11:30 at night and get shots up. We've figured out times outside of our basketball hours where that we'll have the gym open and you know we'll provide. Clean environment for our guys to come over and get shots, but it's not going to be twenty four seven like I, I think some of our players are used to. Let's turn to the ACC. What are meetings like
0: with your coaching colleagues right now?
1: Extensive, too many. Uh, I've really, I, I've really gotten them to know um, and, and learn the personalities of all the coaches in the ACC. It's been, it's been good in that regard. Uh, but you know, we've met every Wednesday, literally since April 1st. You know, it started with uh, we were going to do this in place of our conference meetings that we hold annually in in the spring. And it was like, hey, can everybody get together again next Wednesday to sort of follow up on, you know, what we just talked about today. And then that Wednesday became the next. And and so we've been going at it um, in a healthy way to try to share information, to try to be collaborative, to try to figure out the best alternatives and the best, um, you know, routes of action that we can to to have a season this coming year.
0: Chris, one thought on this that I think as a head coach of one of the great programs in the country in college basketball, Louisville, Louisville head coach Chris Mack, our guest, you know, you see on Twitter, you could get lost going through that thing. It's, a, it's, it's like a toilet with, with some of the stuff we've seen over the last six months, the theories, the rumors, the, the untrue reports. Can you explain again, especially in a time like this, the dynamic of an athletic department and the fact that when these decisions or when you're talking as coaches, the idea that it's just – the buck doesn't stop with you, that it has to go through other channels – between a medical council and up all the way up to the presidents of the school?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's um, there's a lot of red tape, you know, and, and there, are, there are a lot of committees and subcommittees and people that make suggestions and people that have different opinions, you know? And I think that, uh, you know, our world, and I don't know if you've watched the, the Netflix documentary, Social Dilemma, but misinformation travels six times faster than accurate information. It's, which is, which is amazing, but it, but it's not as simple as, Hey, a coach wants to go this route with his program, or this is what we should all do in college basketball. As you said, there are medical opinions. Uh, there are presidents with much different views with much different needs for their universities. And we're all trying to get on the same page uh, for each and every sport and, and trying to, uh, you know, have a season where our, our student athletes can enjoy competing, and enjoy what they love to do. And uh, we're trying to figure out with everybody's different opinion, what, what the best way to do, you know, to do it. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes when people start to say, well, how can the metal, medical profession be so divided, you know, on COVID? Well, they, they really are in a lot of areas. You know, John, you know, if you hurt your knee, you know, playing Frisbee golf, right? You're gonna go to a doctor and he may suggest that I, I I think you need surgery. You could go to a second opinion, and the same, you know, the, the same knee that's looked at, the doctor said, hey, I just think if you, if you do a little bit more exercise and we do some strengthening exercises, you know, you'll be good to go. So you know, very intelligent people can have different opinions on the same subject matter. And I think that's where it's been, uh, especially when you start to talk about something that the world has never seen before, um, that's where you get a lot of differing opinions. Let's turn to basketball your program. What are your thoughts on
0: this upcoming year's team?
1: Well, I'm really excited. You know, for one, I'm ecstatic that we're going to have a season. You know, I'm I'm sure there's going to be postponements. I'm sure there's going to be some cancellations, and the NCAA has sort of built that in with the 13-game minimum, 14 or whatever it is. But we'll get there with those games. But, you know, I, I don't know if I knew that four months ago, you know, living in the world that we live in, if we were going to have a season or not. You know, we have a really good mix uh, of a lot of freshmen and sophomores uh, with some very, very talented upperclassmen. Malik Williams might be one of the best leaders I've ever been around, you know, in my my time as a college basketball coach, be it an assistant coach or a head coach. I mean, he just gets it. Uh, You know, we have a talented transfer in Carleek Jones, who I think fans for Louisville are really going to enjoy watching play. Big moments, you know, he really, uh, he really, he really cherishes and, and relishes in those. Uh, David Johnson is as talented a, of a perimeter player as I think there is in our league. Sam Williamson's going to make a big jump. We have Charles Menlin, a, a transfer from San Francisco. So there's a lot to like about our team, and I think the chemistry um, that has been fostered through this COVID experience that they're all living. Uh, It's been unique, and and I'm really looking forward to coaching this team.
0: Focusing in on your backcourt with David Johnson, with Carlic Jones, Jones reigning Big South Player of the Year, when they have the ball handling capabilities that they both possess, how do you think you mix that together?
1: Well, we want to be a team that doesn't necessarily have uh, a Pied Piper out there making the plays for everybody. I think those two can really play off one another. I think they have inherent trust. They've built that throughout the summer and the fall. Uh, I think when uh, you talk about a team trying to get the ball in the lane and make plays for others, I-, I think you're better served having a couple guys that can do that versus one. And so, you know, we're gonna put the ball in both of their hands. At times they're gonna play together. At times one will be the point guard and one will be off the ball. You know, Carleek shoots it at a really high level. Uh, a little bit better than David, but they both have different strengths, and I think they can complement one another. These will be the two best playmakers that I've had in my time at Louisville, uh, which is really, really exciting for our team.
0: You just talked earlier about Sam Williamson, and you talked about the potential he has. What's the process? No, every player can be different, but with Sam, of taking all that potential that lies there and turning it into the results you're looking for.
1: Well, I think that's the the jump that you ask every sophomore who experienced an up-and-down freshman year to make. You know, Sam had some great moments for us a year ago. But let's face it, you know, he was playing behind a guy like Jordan Wara, who I expect to be a draft pick. Uh, Dwayne Sutton, who I expect will be, uh, you know, considered for the NBA. I mean, those guys were playing 30, 35 minutes a game. And so I think Sam, his everyday experience in practice against those two, Uh, you know, I think really helped him understand what it takes to be successful at this level. Uh, If you look at his body now, John, versus maybe a year ago, uh, you know, Sam's so much stronger. He's so much, you know, so much more built than he was a year ago to handle a college basketball season. And so we're going to need him to be, you know, who he was a year ago in terms of getting to his mid-range game, being an offensive rebounder, getting out in transition, but he's going to do an awful lot more and he's got to be a lot more consistent this coming year, and I suspect he will be.
0: Tell me a little bit more about your freshmen.
1: Well, so we have three of them. You know, our three freshmen are uh, DeAndre Davis, who's from Lawrence Central in Indianapolis. He's about six foot six. Uh, he has a college-ready body. He's very thick. He's really, really strong. Uh, he's got a great voice. Uh, he's not timid in any way, shape, or form on the court. Uh, to say what he sees, which isn't always the case for a freshman. I find a lot of kids from the state of Indiana really know how to play, and he'd be one of them. I think he's got a great touch. Uh, You know, he can shoot the three-point shot. I think he's an ultimate competitor. Um, J.J. Trainers from Bardstown, which is right down the road from us here in Louisville, probably about 30 minutes away. His dad, uh, you know, played at Louisville uh, years ago. So J.J. is of that mold that, um, you know, He's a guy that is really, really thin right now. we got to try to put some weight on him. But what J.J. has is really difficult to teach, John. He's exceptionally long. You know, he, he can get, uh, you know, his extension on his shot around the basket. Not another player in our program can reach that extension. You know, he can dunk the ball uh, with his teeth, you know, the way, that, the way that he's just so gifted athletically. And he's got very, very good skill Uh, for who he is and the size that he has as a player. But he's going to have to really get stronger uh, so that he doesn't uh, get overwhelmed by juniors and seniors, especially in our league. But his talent level and his potential is absolutely through the roof. And then our last freshman is a guy that uh, really wasn't, I don't want to say on our radar, but wasn't on our radar to be on our roster even in June. You know, Gabe Wisnitzer is a freshman from South Carolina. He was headed to Hargrave for his fifth year of high school and realized he might not have a high school season, you know, and what am I gonna do? Am I gonna just, you know, and he said to me, coach, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just probably end up staying at home and training. And I said, what are you gonna be in your driveway? And he said, well, I have some trainers. And I said, you'd be much better served coming to a place, you know, like Louisville with the benefit of a weight room, a strength coach that knows what he's doing, a dietitian, you know, all the resources that we have in place uh, and opt the red shirt. Now, whether that, that red shirting comes into fruition, John, I don't know, because Gabe has been awfully impressive uh, here in the few months that we've had him. So we'll make that decision uh, when it needs to be made. But, uh, you know, we're certainly lucky to have a seven footer in Gabe. What'd
0: you do during quarantine?
1: <laughs> Just what everybody else did. I, I say this, that uh, I probably worked out more uh, than I have in the last 10 years. And so that's been a A good thing. I've gotten to spend a lot more time uh, day to day in the house with my family, um, which I'd say 95 percent of the time has been a good thing. (laughs) Uh, You know, other than that, a lot of recruiting, to be quite honest, a lot of calls and a lot of FaceTime calls. And, you know, not only with the the kids that were rising seniors that are seniors now, but juniors and sophomores, um, you know, you don't have. The luxury of, of being able to go see these kids or have them on your campus so much of our time as coaches, especially in July and September, would be to be on the road. And then the other months, so much of our time is spent, you know, walking kids around on unofficial and official visits. So uh, it's been a unique experience for sure.
0: Best movie or show you watched with your family or, or maybe if it was just by yourself during all this.
1: You know, it, it's probably the one I've watched in the last week or so that I tweeted about a couple of weeks ago or a week ago social dilemma. Um, man, what, what a scary proposition that is for our world. And I think if you haven't seen it, it, it it's worth a view uh, to see that, you know, the the, the the small minute manipulation that happens through social media because of the, the data that these companies are collecting, all in, all in the name of making money, um, really, really scary. And I think it, it, it can help parents, it can help anybody, but parents really sort of set the tone for, you know, what they want their kids uh, to be able to do and be able to use in terms of technology as they're growing up.
0: You talk about being a parent, you're a, a dad to a, a couple of volleyball players from, from what I understand. So yep. when Chris Mack goes to a volleyball game, I mean, I know you're a big sports fan. You know, it, every parent has a different approach in the stands. What is your approach?
1: Well, I don't know volleyball very well, although I'm getting it. You know, when I first started watching my girls play in these club volleyball tournaments, it was I know they had to get the ball over on the third hit. <laughs> and, and now I understand what passing is. You know, I certainly understand because my daughter, my, one of my daughters, my oldest, is a setter. And I understand, um, you know, your hitters and blockers. So I'm getting there. But, John, I don't say squat in the stands. I, I, I clap for the team. You know, I don't yell at my kids. I don't, uh, don't want to say I don't encourage them, but I, I don't talk during a match. I just, I just watch. And uh, watching clap would probably be the two uh, verbs I would use.
0: You're Big Bengals fam,
1: right? Yes. Yeah. I, I, nope. Hey, you know what? I got it. You know, you beat us on Thursday night football. we didn't even. Back at you, Fanta. Just so you know.
0: You didn't even give me the chance to ask the question. I was going to start with a softball and is say, is, you know, you found your quarterback, man.
1: Yeah, we did find our quarterback, and hopefully, you know, he doesn't get the life pummeled out of him <laughs> a of weeks to where he can continue to be our quarterback. But yeah, you know. Guys, how can you not feel really good about being a Bengals fan with your quarterback at least at this point?
0: It's just nice to win a battle of Ohio. Got to go for the sweep in Cincinnati.
1: Uh, I figured I figured that would come up, man. I, yeah. I follow you on social media, so I, I knew that that this that this was coming.
0: Hunt Chubb, it's got Mac and Biner written on it. I think Baker Mayfield. Now's the time. Big breakout campaign.
1: You know when when I watch when I watch the disparity between. The Browns against the Ravens and the against the Bengals. Um, I, I don't know what to think of the Browns. I certainly know what to think of the Bengals right now, which doesn't make me feel good as a Bengals fan. But, uh, you know, you couldn't move the ball. You couldn't do anything, right? And then to turn it around four days later on a Thursday night and have maybe the uh, the most proficient running game I've ever seen in a game was really hard to stomach. Let me tell you that.
0: You might be busy uh, on Bengals-Ravens game days this season. Yeah. You might be a, just a little bit busy. But you know what, Coach? You got a quarterback. I think Burroughs, I, I mean, he has looked as good as you could ask for through two games. I'm impressed in every way, shape, and form by that kid.
1: I mean, his poise is 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 really remarkable to not have a preseason. I mean, they, everybody's talked about uh, all, all the different variables that he's had. And, you know, obviously that their line needs to get a whole lot better but for him to just continue to stay stay in there, scramble when he needs to, make throws on the run. I mean, I think against the Browns, correct me if I'm wrong, he was five for five on fourth down. Great. That that's I mean that's remarkable. Mm-hmm. You know, pressure that you feel. All all it takes is a little bit of overthrow or underthrow or behind a guy, and to go five for five in that situation. I think he's got the clutch gene for sure. Hopefully, we can get some games where it matters, and uh, you know we're always not in comeback situations.
0: All right, I'm going to end on a basketball note here uh, because this is a year where there's a ton of things being thrown around, and I don't think there's such a thing as, as an idea that, that is, you know, out of bounds. Tell me a little bit about the process that went into the ACC idea of every team in the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I feel bad because I feel like the general public just dismissed it without understanding. Um, you know, all that goes into to, to making a statement like that. You know, I mean, John, I cannot begin to describe, you know, how devastated, you know, my team was, you know, coming back from the ACC tournament, which we did, weren't even a part of, we didn't play one one second. We get back and knowing that our NCAA tournament, uh, that our guys were so looking forward to was canceled. You know, then, then you take into effect teams like Dayton, for instance, who had a historic run and, you know, would have possibly been, you know, a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Rutgers, who was going to make the NCAA tournament for the first time in, you know, however long. And uh, not to mention all the, all the low to mid major conferences that had already had their tournament played and, and a champion had been crowned. And so not knowing what the non-conference was going to look like. You know, there was a lot of talk for a long time that we weren't going to begin our season until December or January. If there are no metrics without crossover games between conferences, how are you going to be able to look a Big Ten team and say that they're better in eighth place? And I know that's always going to be an issue. So why couldn't you add another weekend to the NCAA tournament? you know, why couldn't you put every team in? The best teams generally are are going to advance. And so that, that was the impetus behind it, uh, was to put every team in a tournament. And it's not a crazy idea. If you look at, you know, a lot of high school, uh, a lot of states around the country, that's how their high school tournaments are played. You know, you have a high seed versus a low seed and the better teams sort of move through. And so we just wanted that experience to sort of collectively you know, recover from last year's season, you know, make something that, that was special for college basketball. It wasn't a way to try to like expand the tournament in years to come. It wasn't a way to put bonuses in the pockets of coaches or extend them so they don't get fired. It was a way to celebrate college basketball. The fact is, um, you know, there, there's a lot of holes in a lot of different things. And we felt this was a way to you know sort of celebrate college basketball but obviously it didn't it didn't land well and uh it sort of got dismissed very early on
0: and what's amazing is it's something that's coming from a conference that features yourself features Mike Krzyzewski, Roy Williams, Tony Bennett uh, we could go on and on and on this wasn't just one or two coaches putting the idea out there which is what we see with a lot of ideas
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of times, unfortunately, you know, in today's society, as soon as someone has an idea, you know, everybody tries to look at, Hey, what's the angle? Why, why are they doing this? And, and there, there wasn't an angle, you know, it was a fact of, you know, because of what had happened last year uh, with the end of the season, with the uncertainty of non-conference, you know, let's celebrate college basketball. Let's get everybody on the same page. Let's make sure that, you know, uh, maybe the early round games are more regional let's get to a point where we can crown a national champion. We don't have to worry about who was discluded. You know, Hey, they could have made it. They would have won their conference last year, but now they're out. Um, but be that as it may, you know, the NCAA decided to go a different route. Um, you can shoot holes in that as well, but uh, I won't go into all that. And uh, you know, hopefully we're playing here November 25th.
0: Chris Mack, thank you so much for the time and good luck to your Bengals this weekend against the Philadelphia Eagles. That could Philadelphia be just- Eagles. That could lead to some fun tweets. Coach, thank you. Big game. Thanks, John. We thank Chris Mack for the time. Great as always. Candid. Tells you how it is. I love it. Always love having him. He's our first recurring guest out of the coaches that we've had on the show. Louisville, this upcoming year, you know, they, they could have been a one seed. They were heading towards a one seed, potentially, in the NCAA tournament last year. But you, you lose Jordan Ora you lose Ryan McMahon, you lose some other major players. They only return 20% of their minutes from last year. Only 27%. You've got to find new roles for guys, and you're dealing with a pandemic where you can't have all of them together. you got to go through a process of all the guidelines and the protocols for practices. Practices are pushed back. Louisville's a team, for me, they're going to be an NCAA tournament team. The question is, though, can they be better then, or can they, they be on the same path in the ACC as Virginia, who welcomes in Sam Hauser, the Marquette transfer, and brings back a really nice core. Virginia's a top three to five team in America for me. Duke's a top 10 team. North Carolina's a top 20 team. Like, I think that's the question for Louisville. I think they're, they're fourth in the ACC. Can they be with those top three? We'll see. Mac is quite the coach. He's done a really good job already at making Louisville his own program. And I'm fasting to see how the Cardinals develop because I think they've got an interesting backcourt. I do. I, I, I like Malik Williams down in the post. That's a senior leader. You heard uh, Mac bring it up. But I think that David Johnson, Carly Jones, the way that backcourt evolves. Johnson, a sophomore, a true sophomore. Jones, he's a transfer from Radford. So how that works out when you bring in that transfer and how he meshes with the guy that's a true sophomore that came into the program, he's going to be the guy for them. Well, now you've got two guys in the backcourt that they combined last year, if you look at their averages, for about eight assists per game. I want to see how the Cardinals mesh in the backcourt. I think that they're a top 30 team in the country. I think they're a top four team in the ACC. Mack, coach, he can get them near the top of the ACC. He can turn them into a top 15 team. Really interesting team in America this upcoming season and a really interesting conversation with Chris Mack, and we thank him for that, as always. Another episode of Full Court Press with Fanton Adams is in the books. Thanks again to Chris Mack for spending some time with us, Louisville head coach, bringing it strong as always. Thanks also to our producer, Mike Lieber, as well as Bruce Bernstein for all of their help. Tom Phillip ends the show, and we always appreciate his contributions. You can check out our other Pure Hoops media shows, Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong. That drops each Wednesday. Each Thursday, Monica McNutt and King McClure drop by with buckets, boards, and blocks. Every Friday, it's the Pure Hoops podcast with B.J. Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Mike White Show drops each Monday, and we'll be back every Tuesday with full court press. Check out our shows. Subscribe and download them. Right now, there's not a time like the present, folks. We've got college basketball on the way, and if you're an NBA fan, our other teams have some great NBA coverage. The finals is looming. It's looming. I still got the Lakers coming out in the West. I got this feeling about Boston coming back. I do. But I'm going to side with the Heat. I think we get a Lakers-Heat finals. Check out our shows. Subscribe down on them. Rate and review them. Most of all, enjoy. We will see you next week on Full Court Press with Fantan Adams.
1: Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.